What do you love? Me? I love walks in the woods. You know, we're, we're, we're blessed uh, around here because we have a gazillion walking trails nearby that are just wonderful to take uh, walks in through the woods. I love my family. I love my biological family. I love being with them. And I love being with my church family, with you. One more thing. I love Jesus. I love God. I love studying God's word. The Bible is just amazing. And sometimes I'll come across something uh, that I can't wait to share with you. This happened to me uh, recently. I came across something uh, in Jesus' teaching that just exploded in my mind, and I couldn't wait to come and share it with you today. But then I had second thoughts, uh, and I had a little conversation with uh, Jesus. I said, uh, Jesus, these words uh, I'm studying here from you, they're so powerful, but they're also hard, and they're also hard-hitting. And I'm not so sure that my friends here on Sunday are ready for it. So you know what I sensed? I sensed Jesus saying to me, oh yeah, they're ready. They're ready. And in fact, there's gonna be some people who hear the words of my teaching, Jesus said, and it's gonna open a whole new chapter in their relationship with me. So uh, you ready? You ready? Uh, first, I'm gonna give you the context for this teaching of Jesus, and then I'm gonna read it for you, and then I'm gonna try my best to explain it, and then I'm gonna try to apply it to all our lives, okay? Here we go. Starting with the context. Uh, the words of Jesus we're gonna study come from the Gospel of John, chapter three, and come almost immediately after probably the most famous words in the whole of the Bible. Uh, we're in John 3, 16, uh, we're told, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then the next verse, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So the context for the words that we're going to be studying today is this joyful proclamation that God loves the world. God loves me. God loves you. He loves you so much that he came personally in Jesus. Jesus does not come to condemn me for the way my sin hurts me, hurts God, hurts others. No, Jesus came to rescue me by bringing me into a healing relationship with the Father that spills over with healing in all my other relationships. Now, keeping this context in mind that Jesus comes to save and not condemn, here are the words that we're studying today. In John chapter three, verse 19, we'll begin. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. 
So we're going to start studying this by looking at the first phrase in this paragraph and the last phrase. Uh, notice the passage begins with the verdict that Jesus is the light. And then it ends by describing how people who follow Jesus, the light, come into an honest relationship with God, which is the meaning of that final phrase. Uh, what they have done is done in the sight of God. What does that mean, in the sight of God? Well, first of all, we know it does not mean that God sees some people but doesn't see other people. No, God sees everybody and everything. Um, it's like Adam and Eve in Genesis, right? Uh, we're told that uh, hours after they rebelled against God, uh, God showed up for his daily walk, garden walk with Adam and Eve. But they heard God coming, and so they dove into the bushes out of guilt. And when God called them with tears, where are you? It was not because God did not know where they were. It's because Adam and Eve had gone from an honest relationship with God in his sight to self-separating themselves from God out of God's sight. Jesus comes to draw us out of the bushes and into this honest relationship with God where everything we do is done in his sight, not in the bushes. Notice that, that phrase, what they've done, they've done in the sight of God. Jesus does not say these people who follow him do everything perfectly, sinlessly, no. Whatever they do, failures, mistakes, good, bad, they do it all in the illumined love and forgiveness under the sight of God. Because God so loves that he gave his only son so that we can live in his sight, in his presence, live in an honest relationship with him. It sounds terrific. That's the good news, right? There in the first sentence and the last sentence of this paragraph. But now, let's move to the bad news part. The bad news part in the middle of this paragraph about ordinary people like you, like me, who love the darkness and hate the light. And you may be saying to yourself, no, I've read this, and this does not apply to me, because Jesus is talking about evil people. And I'm not perfect, uh, I'm not evil. Fair enough. Fair enough. I agree that this English word, evil, is a lousy translation for the Greek words that are used here. Because today, we reserve the word evil for the worst, most revolting crimes we can think of, which is not what is conveyed in the original Greek words. And I say words because John communicates Jesus' teaching by using two different Greek words that both get translated by the one English word, evil. Are you still with me? Are you still, because what, what I'm gonna go into next is very important. The first word that gets translated evil is the Greek word poneira, 
where poneira means morally wrong, where poneira is my anger that lashes out in words that hurt people, where poneira is uh, bad habits that uh, bring shame uh, to my heart. It's gossip when I selfishly use people. Poneira is being ungrateful, impatient, dishonest, and unkind. And none of these things are what we would call classic evil, but they're morally wrong, and they hurt me, hurt God, hurt others, and, and as part of the result, they bring internal guilt and shame upon me. And it's with this guilt in mind that Jesus says that ponera makes me hide, hide in the dark, hide from the light of God. That's ponera. Now, let's go on to the second Greek word that is again translated into the English word evil. It's the Greek word faula. And as you may have guessed, faula does not mean morally bad. It means worthless, useless, meaningless. A word that shows up very often in Jesus' teaching. Uh, Jesus says that Trying to pursue money just so that you can call yourself rich is foul. That pursuing entertainment to try to fill the void in your life is foul. That winning popularity contests, trying to please people, is foul. Jesus doesn't claim that these things are morally wrong. They're not. They're just worthless in the sight of eternity. And Christ followers who center their lives on these worthless things end up avoiding Jesus because his light exposes the futility of what they're building their life and desires around. Some of you don't know this. Some of you don't know that when I started as pastor here, I was single. I was single and I had a bachelor pad. I had a sweet bachelor pad. And when Jen and I started dating, she would tell me all the time how much she loved my bachelor pad. But then we got married. (laughs) If she told me once, she told me a thousand times how she thought my place was so super cute how it was, it was something she loved the decor, loved the furniture. But then my house became our house. And you can imagine my surprise. <laughs> when soon after the honeymoon, uh, Jen had moved in and looked around and announced that just about everything was gonna go. Remember that battery-operated mounted fish that would sing, don't worry, be happy, gone. (laughs) Dogs playing poker painting, gone. And my furniture, beautiful, dark, leather furniture set. Actually, it was not leather. It was this amazing vinyl (laughs) called Naugahyde. You know Naugahyde? You know Naugahyde? and just this beautiful furniture like everything else, curbside. In a blink, after the honeymoon, I lost my bachelor feng shui. 
I lost my decor. I lost my furniture. I lost all my bathroom counter space to potions and lotions. I lost all my closet space to mountains of shoes, shoes, shoes. Do I get a witness, guys? Shoes everywhere, right? I lost so much. But you know, uh, do you know what I gained? I gained the warm, loving center to what would otherwise be my meaningless life. At least, that's what Jen kept telling me. Now, <laughs> let me go back to the Naugahyde. Let me go back to the Naugahyde furniture because I remember one night trying to convince Jen how great this furniture was by showing her how if you would just lower the lights, it looked like real leather furniture. But she kept turning the lights up so my furniture was exposed as completely fake. And some of us are just like Naugahyde. Some of us look really happy as long as you keep the lights low. Some of us look really successful as long as you keep the lights low. Some of us have relationships with God and other people that look so wholesome and good until you raise the lights, as long as you keep the lights low. Some of us are like Naugahyde, which is maybe why some of us don't want to get too close to Jesus, even Christ followers. We don't want to get too close because he is the light. And then when he walks into the room, all the Naugahyde in your life is seen as fake and futile. So taking everything that we've studied so far, I'd like to suggest a paraphrase. You know what a paraphrase is? Uh, of the teaching that Jesus is giving us today. John chapter three, starting in verse 19. This is the verdict. Jesus, the light, has come into the world, but some people hide in the darkness due to their internal guilt over wrong deeds. In the same way, those who have devoted their lives to worthless things avoid the light for fear that the meaninglessness of their lives will be exposed. But whoever chooses to follow the truth of Jesus comes into the light of an honest relationship with God who sees it all and loves us completely. Now, let's apply this teaching. Because right now, Jesus is calling out to you, to me, to all his followers who, for reasons of ponera and faula, have been avoiding the light of spending time alone with Jesus. Now, you know what I mean by spending time alone with Jesus. Some people call it a time of prayer and meditation. Some people call it a devotional time. Many people just refer to it as a quiet time. Quiet time is the practice of regularly setting aside some time to give undivided attention to God and to his word. And uh, this idea of a quiet time is modeled by Jesus who would steal away, we find in the gospels, to spend time with his father. This idea of a quiet time is implied in God's command for a Sabbath. Uh, a quiet time is encouraged hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times in Scripture where God calls me to just spend time in his presence. Like in Psalm 46, which says, be still 
and know that I am God. Now, some say, I don't need a quiet time because, see, I spend time with God all day long. Great, that's great, but all day long implies that I'm being with God while I'm doing all sorts of other things that are part of my daily routine. A quiet time is just a concept that acknowledges that God deserves some undivided attention where I talk to him and I listen to him and I think about his word in scripture. Now you may say, um, well, what's, what's the approved method for a quiet time? Guess what? There's no one method and there are no rules. A quiet time is whatever works for you and your relationship with God. Some have a short, quiet time every day. Some have a maybe longer quiet time once or twice a week. Some talk and sing to God out loud. Some quietly, silently write their prayers out to God. Some walk with God in the woods. I realize I'm speaking to people who are everywhere on this continuum of a quiet time. There's some people way over on this side of the continuum that that said, I've never heard of this quiet time before. I can't wait to get started. And then way over here, there are those who have heard about quiet time and they've been practicing it and enjoy it for years and years to this day. And then there's all of us in the middle. And here in the middle, there are some of us who have experienced quiet time as this legalistic burden, a duty that we felt like we had to drudge our way through. Some of us have given up in frustration trying to have a quiet time, but every time it seems to fall apart and we can't seem to get it going and the guilt seems to pile in. Listen, I have experienced this guilt trip. What's very important to understand is that this guilt is coming from the inside. It's not coming from Jesus. Jesus just wants to spend time with you. Jesus just wants to draw you into the light of his complete forgiveness and a relationship with him. He just wants to be with you. So if you're stuck in the middle, today is a great day to break free from whatever is holding you back from spending time alone with Jesus. Maybe you've heard these powerful words of Jesus and you realize that you are avoiding the light of Jesus. It happens to us all because we all struggle with Ponera. We all do wrong things. We have wrong things in our past. We keep doing wrong things, wrong things that hurt us, hurt others, hurt God. But Jesus doesn't come to condemn me. He comes to rescue me. So today, I choose to let Jesus draw me out of the bushes, draw me out of my dark hiding places and into the love light of an honest relationship with God, of complete forgiveness where I feel eagerness to spend time alone with him. That's the Ponera side. Uh, We all struggle with uh, Faula too. We all get caught up in pursuing stuff that is worthless, chasing a material lifestyle that never brings contentment, pursuing entertainment to try to fill the void that never gets filled pleasing people and finding that people never get pleased. In this rat race, I end up becoming a naugahyde person. 
convincing myself that I am really happy as long as I keep the lights down low and arranging things so I have no time to spend with Jesus the light. Funny thing, the number one excuse of why I don't spend time alone with God is because I am too busy, which is just how Fowler in my life works. I can't spend time alone with Jesus because I'm already spending time alone with Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and chasing money and trying to please people. You see, living a life of worthlessness in the light of eternity takes a lot of time. That's the danger of the foulest stuff in my life. What makes foulest dangerous is not what it does in me, but what it prevents in me. It prevents me from being real and being significant to God and his kingdom. But right now, Jesus is calling you away from the worthless and drawing you into the light where you can have an honest relationship with God of eternal significance while also supplying love and peace and joy and fulfillment that you crave right now. Do you hear that voice? Do you hear the voice of Jesus drawing you into the light? If so, then right now, choose to let Jesus draw you out of the shadows and into the light of some quiet time spent alone with him. That's the application for today. Be still and know that I'm God. That's the application for today. Start fresh, having a quiet time, not worrying about failing, not, just pick it up again, because what Jesus does is draw us again and again and again into the light. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.